0: For our passion sermon this morning, it's hard to find three people in a very close gang for years, but who would end up so radically different of a destinations in just eight hours than the three thieves, written of in Mark 15. Yes, these three thieves, murderers, insurrectionists, had started that fateful day, Good Friday chained together, laying on the dirt floor of a barred jail cell guarded by a platoon of Roman soldiers. All three thieves were equally guilty and equally sentenced to die that day for their many crimes. All three of them expected to die that day for there was no way to escape. The Romans had captured this violent gang in the midst of their wave of insurrection, terror, and destruction. Yes, this gang was well known and most notorious. Everyone in Israel prayed that these monsters of crime would not attack their homes and their towns, for they knew that these criminals would stop at nothing. But now, with this notorious gang captured, their guards mocked these cruel men. The guards had made it clear that on this day, that all three of these thieves would be placed upon three crosses. On the hill of Golgotha, they would die today. And there was no reason to doubt this, for the three crosses were already prepared. And they could see them lay outside the door of their cell, waiting for them. Death waited for them shortly. But these three thieves were hardened to death. Their consciences had been seared from years of killing, years of robbery and rebellion. More than likely, they mocked back at their Roman guards and joked about their impending deaths. They did not fear death. For they had inflicted so much death upon the innocent people of Israel that death seemed to mean nothing to them anymore. Yes, it would be hard to find three more hardened, more sinful, more deserving to die people for their crimes than these three thieves. But one of them, one of them was even worse than the other two. His very name ran terror in the eyes and the ears of the people and made the people tremble for fear his name. None in Israel were as well known as the middle man chained in that prison cell. His name was Barabbas. Yes, it was Barabbas who was supposed to be nailed to the middle cross that day. Not Jesus. Amazingly, in the way of God's sovereign grace and providence, he did not end up there, but Jesus did. Let us read of what scripture tells us about these three men. Let us humble ourselves today as we read this incredible story. Hear the word of God. In Mark 15, 1 through 15, and straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders of the scribes and the whole consul to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou saith it. And the chief priests accused him of many things. But he answered them nothing, and Pilate asked him again, saying, "Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released one whomsoever they desired, and there was one named Barabbas which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answering them, saying, Will you that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered them and said again unto them, <clears throat> What will you then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? They cried out, Crucify him. And then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil has he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he was scourged to be crucified. Now this morning we want to look in this Passion Sermon at the theme of substitution and look at these three thieves individually and explore why all, though they were all in the same wickedness, the same notorious criminals, the same insurrectionists, had the same guilt. They each ended up in so radically different places on this fateful day. Now in our first point, we will look at Barabbas, the ringleader. In our second point, we will look at the thief hanging on the cross at Jesus' right hand. On our third point, we will look at the thief hanging on Jesus' left hand. <clears throat> now, in our first point, Barabbas, we see the ringleader of this violent gang. As the leader, he was chosen as leader simply because of all three men in this gang. He was even more cruel, more violent than the other two. He fully expected to die on this day. The prison he was in with his three companions was in close proximity to Pilate's headquarters. He heard through the cell door the commotion of the trial of Jesus taking place in Pilate's court. He must have heard the loud shouting thereby and must have listened in incredibleness at what he heard unfolding. It was bewildered. He tried to get closer to the door to hear what, was going on. Yes, from their cell they could hear everything. A great group of people of Jerusalem shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Away with him! And then in astonishment, Barabbas heard his own name being shouted loudly on the lips of the crowd. His own name. As he listened closely, He heard the Roman leader Pontius Pilate speaking, giving the crowd a choice. Should I release Jesus in an act of clemency, or should I release Barabbas? What a choice. In astonishment, Barabbas heard his name shouted loudly by the crowd that he should be released instead of Jesus. Yes, we know that the chief priests and the Sanhedrin leaders were walking through the crowd, stirring them up to speak loudly to choose Barabbas for release and for Pilate to crucify Jesus. Oh, what a dilemma it had been for Pilate, for he knew in his heart of hearts that Jesus was innocent. He knew that the Jews had delivered Jesus up envy's sake. Yes, he tried to be an honest judge when he could and he had never sentenced an innocent man to death before. His wife sent him an urgent message to have nothing to do with sentencing this innocent man, for many dreams had troubled her already that morning. He asked Pilate knew that this was a kangaroo court where the decision was already made before a fair trial could even be held. And such a kangaroo court judged him as a judge for the Romans held justice to be a sacred right and that all the evidence had to be considered in a trial for the trial to be fair. Yes, listen, three times already Pilate has declared Jesus innocent, innocent, innocent. But Israel's Christian leaders would not accept his innocence. Three times the chief priests again stirred up the people to shout out as loudly as they could to riot and to warn Pilate that if he did not obey this mob's voice, they would report him to Caesar in Rome. Now this was effective, for it seems that Pilate was in some kind of disfavor with Caesar in Rome already at this time, for not adequately stopping another earlier rebellion in Israel. And Pilate knew if there were any more such reports to Caesar, He could not only lose his job, but he could even lose his life. Oh, do you see here how much adult peer pressure rules over adults and ruled over Pilate's day, distorting his role as judge? Oh, Pilate, as a judge, you are required to do justice. And when you know one is innocent, You must, you must set him free, no matter what it costs you. That's a judge's job, doing justice. But sadly, Pontius Pilate could not stand that peer pressure either. And even though he knew Jesus was innocent, Pilate declared him guilty just to please the people and to quiet the riots that the Christian chief priests had stirred up. Yes, Pilate allowed Jesus to be crucified, but first he was scourged with 39 whiplashes. Yes, Jesus, though innocent, was declared guilty, both by an earthly judge and by a religious judge. Judged to be guilty of the highest crimes in the land. Oh, what a great injustice. Barabbas from his jail cell heard his own name, as we said, come out loudly. It seemed to be on the lips of everyone in the crowd. And how puzzled he must have been to hear the crowd demanding his release From jail? Yes, Barabbas must have initially scoffed in disdain that he would be released and he would not die this day. What craziness. Then he heard footsteps of the soldiers and against all odds, his jail jail cell door swung wide open. And the Roman guards announced, Barabbas, Barabbas, you are free to go. Someone else is going to die in your place today. Oh, this had to be beyond shock, beyond belief. And in shock, Barabbas watched as they unlocked his chains and led him out the open prison door. And there to meet him was a crowd of Jews who hugged him and welcomed him to his new freedom. How strange he must have viewed these Jews, many of whom he had recently just tried to kill in his insurrection, in his rebellion, in, in his riotous. And now, to his amazement, they were acting as if he was their best friend. What was going on? He was free. It wasn't a dream. And you can be certain Barabbas' shock wore off quite quickly as he began walking away from that prison cell, walking away from his certain death. The crowd of Jews who had freed him are standing beside him as friends and urging him to watch Jesus being scourged with 39 lashes. Barabbas is beyond shock. What was happening? These crazy Jews had exchanged him, uh, the guilty one, for this innocent man? Innocent Jesus was going to hang on his cross? Whoever heard of something this insane, and done by the Christian church leaders. Oh, he had heard with his own ears. Pilate declare him innocent three times. But then sentence him to death anyway. What was going on? Truth is stranger than fiction. And now the whole crowd is walking toward Golgotha. And he watches his two friends carrying their cross accompanied by this stranger, Jesus, carrying his cross, the one that he had expected to carry to his death. What thoughts and emotions must have gone through Barabbas's head as he watched this incredible scene in front of him? He watched his two companions nailed to their cross. And him... Free? Free? Yes, he also watched this innocent man, Jesus, nailed to the cross. He was supposed to be nailed onto. And what a difference he saw in this kneeling, for uh, the two thieves were cursing and swearing and must have resisted and filled the ears of the crowd with blasphemies. But Jesus was silent. He saw Jesus willingly lay himself down upon the cross, spread his arms and willingly allow himself to be nailed in his hands and his feet. Without resistance, without crying out, without a word. Oh, how Barabbas must have marveled At that great difference, how even a hardened Barabbas must have shuddered and marveled that he was not on that middle cross because he was the leader of this gang. What a miracle had taken place, sparing him. But at what a heavy cost to the crowd of Israel, to the nation of Israel, who had said, Jesus' blood be upon us and our children. Oh, what a curse. He must have thought, I better get out of here fast before these people realize their insanity, before they come to their senses. But now the three crosses are erected and placed into the holes dug for them. And these three men hang between the sky and the earth. Now Jesus cannot escape from the cross, and all the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, and the Christian leaders rejoice. Finally, finally they are rid of this troublesome Jesus who had preached for three years they would not have to listen to his condemning voice anymore that their Christianity was false that they were Satan's tools and yes now the crowds bargain with exchanging bravus for Jesus had accomplished its intended goal Jesus was going to die and they no longer had need of Barabbas. But but they had to let this cruel beast of a man go free, because Pilate had officially freed him at their insistence. <clears throat> and so the crowd says to him, Barabbas, you are free to go now. Go away, go far away. You are despicable. You are too despicable for us to even look at or be near you, for you killed our brothers and our sisters and made an erection against our land, murdered in cold blood. But because the Roman judge Pilate has officially set you free, so we must let you go free. That's how the law works. Oh, you can be certain that as Barabbas took each step away, away from the crowd, away from the crosses, that he must have looked behind him often, checking to see if this was just a trick, that the crowd would still come after him. Never, never had he experienced such an incredible event as was unfolding before his bewildered mind. Surely someone must be following him to kill him secretly. This was just simply too hard to believe. He couldn't believe his luck. Why would he suddenly be set free? And an innocent man, Jesus, placed on his cross that had been reserved for him, But now he begins to run fast, very fast. And the further he can get away from this crazy place, the better before everybody comes back to their senses. Looking back, he saw neither the Romans nor the Jews were following him to arrest him again, to kill him for all of his crimes. No, when he looked, he saw the crowd looking back on quietly as if all this was something perfectly normal. Perfectly normal to have Israel's most notorious criminal be unlocked from his cell, freed from his death chambers, loosed from his chains, and allowed to just walk away as a totally free man? No one had ever seen this unusual event before. Oh, he must have pinched himself to see if he was just dreaming. But he was certainly willing to take advantage of this, and he ran. And you can be certain he didn't take very many steps away, and he was running faster than he has ever run before, trying to get away from this craziness and from that cross that he was supposed to be nailed on, that was supposed to be his death. Oh, probably he thought, I can't wait to tell my friends this miracle, this craziness, this insanity. Probably a mile away from the top of the Mount of Olives, a rapidly fleeing Barabbas probably had to pause to rest in briefly looked back over Jerusalem and he saw three crosses raised up. He recognized his two fellow criminals and then shuddered for on the middle cross where he was supposed to be nailed, where he was supposed to be crucified, was the innocent Jesus. Oh, how could this have happened, that the most notorious criminal in the land went free that fateful morning, and the most innocent man went to death in his place? Oh, Barabbas must have rehearsed that morning's events often in the future days that he was free. But here in this scene, Jesus symbolically points all of Israel to his work of substitution, of which he was sent for by his Father. (coughs) In his death on the cross, he would be a substitute for all of his children who deserved death. He would impute his righteousness to them. Yes, amazingly, the wicked Christian Pharisee church leaders of Israel, Jesus' church, would rather let the most notorious criminal go free than that Jesus would go free and live. And the reason was obvious to those with a heart to discern. The false Pharisee Christian leaders' hearts were even far more wicked far more hardened, far more hell-worthy than the heart of Barabbas' gang. Yes, the real notorious gang was standing right there, was the 68 leaders of the Sanhedrin, the Christian leaders who held three trials in three hours, kangaroo trials for an innocent Jesus, the Son of God, and they had his sentence. It had been determined before the trial even began. Yes, these Christian leaders of the church, this Christian gang, was the real monsters, were the real devils. Jesus had pointed this out to them often. Now it was fully revealed. Yes, these false Christian leaders had polished their outside appearance while their inside was rotten to the core. Yes, in reality, more rotten inwardly and then Barabbas' whole gang of murderers and insurrections. And why? Why, for the sins against the law, while they are very, very serious, are still not as evil as sins against the gospel, sins against scripture, sins against grace, And these false Christian leaders, above all others, should have known this reality, should have known their sin, for they had the word of God daily instructing them all of their lives. But they rejected it completely. Yes, The Christian Pharisees were perfectly willing to commit the greatest crime ever committed in the whole world, killing the Son of God, because their works were evil, their hearts were evil. Yes, they were far, far greater than Barabbas' sins, The Christian leader's sins were far greater than all the sins of all the sinners in the world put together that day. They had crucified the Son of God unjustly. But we only need to look at their leader to know why they did this. For at the head of this Christian church gang of rebels, Was Satan, cunningly disguised as an angel of light who had made himself the leader of the Sanhedrin of all these false Christian churches? Yes, all the over 300 Old Testament prophecies pointed to this time, this place, this person would be the Messiah. But everyone in the church leadership missed it within counterfeit Christendom. Oh, what a horrible crime. Now, from history, we also know why the Jews had to ask permission of the Romans to put someone to death. The Romans had just recently taken away the judicial right of capital punishment that every sovereign country automatically possessed within their government. They had taken away this right when Jesus began his ministry, when he made his appearance for Israel. Think of that. Now that right of capital punishment was called the right of the scepter. It was this scepter that Father Jacob had prophesied over over 1,500 years earlier. Remember, Father Jacob had prophesied that the scepter of Israel would not be removed from Israel until Shiloh, until the Messiah, until Jesus Christ would come and make his appearance to Israel. until the Messiah would be announced. Oh, that announcement of Jesus' ministry was a very specific sign alerting Israel to the very moment that their Messiah would appear. It was an open and an obvious sign that any of Israel, of the government, could see. Yes as we can even read in history that the taking away of the scepter from Israel had happened just when Jesus began his ministry and it was the sign and the signal of the coming of the Messiah it could not be more real could not be more recognizable and yes indeed certainly the government of Israel did recognize some of them what was happening When the Romans took away the right of capital punishment, took away the scepter. Yes, many, many in Israel recognized this sign and instead of looking for the Messiah, lamented the reality that Israel's scepter was taken away. But the Messiah had not yet come. But they failed. To look around, and they failed to see if the Messiah had been announced. No, they actually had not failed. They had ignored what was said. Jesus' Messiahship was announced. They chose to ignore it. For the first prophet in four hundred years, John the Baptist openly announced it as He baptized Jesus in the Jordan. This should have been their signal for all of Israel to look around the land. To investigate, to see who the Messiah was. Now they knew John the Baptist had announced the Messiah was Jesus Christ. But their sins had so blinded them... They were unable to see that the Messiah had indeed come at the right time, at the right signal, and that it was Jesus of Nazareth just beginning his official ministry. Yes, this 1,500-year-old promise, and the prophecy came exactly the day that Father Jacob had prophesied of it. John the Baptist had a prophesied it was coming already for months and possibly years in the wilderness. That the Messiah was coming. The Messiah was born and he would come. Yes, the Messiah's whose oh, shoelaces John the Baptist was not even worthy to loosen would come for. Remember, the feet were considered the filthiest thing in the human body in Israel. All the Christian leaders in Jerusalem should have believed John the Baptist. The very first prophet that God had sent to Israel for 400 years was speaking truth. Now, certainly the Pharisee Christians knew that John the Baptist had baptized Jesus in the Jordan, and this was the beginning of his ministry, and that Jesus was the Son of God. Yes, the Messiah's coming was very well announced and very well known in all of Israel. But the Christian leaders The Pharisees chose to ignore that reality, what John the Baptist said. But they dare not contend it too much, for all the people, the common people, believed John was a true prophet of God. They believed what he said. They were witnesses. They heard the Father speak from heaven and the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove, as John baptized him. The Trinity had spoken that day, announcing the Messiah had come, the scepter had been taken away. Yes, the greatest irony possible, the Messiah who they were looking for, when the scepter of capital punishment was removed from their land, now stood in front of them. He was the very person they were trying to kill. Horror of horrors. But these blind Christian leaders were blind to their own blindness, dead to their own deadness, and... We need not be surprised, because as Jesus told them to their very faces, these church leaders really were devils, cunningly disguised devils, but devils nevertheless. Yes, truth is stranger than fiction. But few things could be as strange as this exchange and substitution where Jesus hung on the middle cross instead of Barabbas? Who can fathom the church would do such wickedness, such injustice, except those who have been taught by the Holy Spirit to know their own hearts, to know that man by nature is desperately wicked. Who can know the depths of their own wicked heart Yes, when God teaches his children themselves, then they know themselves as the chief of sinners and realize that everyone in the whole world would be saved before them. They know, they know they are a rare trophy of free and sovereign grace. They would not go and crucify Christ. No. He has become precious to them. Has God ever so taught you that by his Holy Spirit? Do you know yourself as the chief of sinners? Do you know that anyone in the whole world could be saved if you can be saved? Now, one other reason for Barabbas' incredible escape from certain death on Good Friday is rooted in Israel's yearly release or the amnesty release, which the Romans allowed each year at this feast. Each year, the Romans allowed one of the most unjustly accused prisoners was allowed to go free from their jail. Now, usually the Christian Pharisee church leaders chose one who had been the most unjustly imprisoned by the Romans. Yes, sadly, the Christian Pharisees could have used this amnesty principle a year before to get John the Baptist released from Herod's prison two years earlier. Who could have been more innocent than John the Baptist, God's greatest prophet? But the church leaders hated Jesus, whom John pointed to, pointed all Israel to as the Son of God. They knew he would not stop saying Jesus was the Son of God. And they would rather let John the Baptist stay in prison than to plead for the yearly amnesty to release John the Baptist. Oh, imagine that. Not releasing John the Baptist in amnesty because they did not want him Proclaiming across Israel anymore that Jesus was the Son of God. No, these church leaders absolutely did not want to give the Israeli people another opportunity, another day, to hear that Jesus was the Son of God. But because they refused to use their yearly amnesty to release John the Baptist, now we know the sad result was John remained in Herod's prison until that fateful day he was beheaded. Imagine that. The first prophet God had sent to Israel in 400 years was purposely killed by the false Christian Pharisee leaders of the church, just like now they were going to kill Jesus. All the evil of these people in high positions in the Christian church knew no limits. Oh, how often do we read in Scripture? Yes, over 30 times. That Israel never failed to fail, never failed to fail in the obedience to God. Time and again they failed. Yes, how many times when we read of the repeated Christian church leaders' failure, we may have been thinking. When we read this, oh, what foolish, foolish people. How could they be so foolish? If we would have been there, we would not have done this foolishness. But if you believe that lie, then you do not know your own natural heart. But now the second reason why Barabbas was released had to do with the temple sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And now you're probably asking, Chaplain, what could this wicked man, Barabbas, this murderer, this insurrectionist, have anything to do with the holy sacrifices? Sacrificed... And conducted inside of the temple. What could he have to do with holiness? Yes, through Moses, God himself had set up the religious sacrificial system in the temple. Where two lambs, two sheep were always brought to be sacrificed at Yom Kippur. It's called Asterol. When these two sheep were brought before the high priest, he laid the curse of all the sins of Israel for that year upon both of these lambs' heads, both of them. And then the high priest cast lots as to which one sheep God had chosen to die in the temple sacrifice, while the other sheep would be loosed and led away to go free, led to a place fifteen miles east of Jerusalem, where there was a high cliff overlooking a vast, hostile, inhospitable wilderness below. Yes, the first sheep was sacrificed on the temple altar his blood shed and his blood sprinkled upon the Ark of the Covenant as a sacrifice before God. But both of the sheep had all the curses containing all the sins of Israel of that year laid on their heads, both of them. But the second sheep was led free and then pushed off this high cliff as a symbol of God's sea of forgetfulness. That God's forgetfulness was a symbol of God not only forgiving sin done by his children, by the first sheep's shed blood, but also by his willingness to forget their sin By casting the sin also laid upon the second sheep far from him into a sea of forgetfulness. Yes, do you see how that works? Yes, symbolically, Barabbas escaped. Because it was a twisted version of this temple sacrifice of two guilty sheep. One sacrificed, the other released. Now, symbolically, this type release epitomizes the release of Barabbas, the guilty one, and the sacrifice of the innocent lamb, Jesus, on the altar of God. Yes, the Christian Pharisee leaders could not have cared less about saving Barabbas. The Jews only used his release to make sure that the innocent Jesus was killed on the cross that day. Their eyes were blinded to God's truth. For they certainly knew Pilate had declared him innocent, Three times already, and now they feared he was going to try to use the yearly amnesty to free this innocent Jesus, and they must stop him. They must thwart him at all costs. So they chose Paramus. Yes, these counterfeit Christian church leaders would rather have this notorious criminal wreak more havoc and murder more people and cause insurrection upon the land of Israel more than to see Jesus, the Son of God, save the nation of Israel. Oh, it was a crazy Decision, But they made it anyway, because they hated Jesus so much, so much. And how could they do differently? After all, they were really devils. Far, far, far worse than Paravus and his gang or all the devils in the world. This was Astorahel the substitution, the just suffered for the unjust. (laughs) (coughs) Now in our second point, the thief who hung on Jesus' right hand. From scripture we know that both thieves, despite their great agony which they were suffering, proceeded to cursing and to mocking Jesus while they hung on their cross. Who can imagine that? Both thieves were dying, both equally guilty, both yet using their last hours of their pathetic lives instead of becoming concerned for their souls chose to openly mock an innocent Jesus who hung between them. Both guilty thieves mock Jesus. Oh, what is man, what depth sin has brought us into where we are dead in sins and trespasses. These guilty thieves, they joined with the high priest and the Sanhedrin gathered around the foot of the cross who mocked Jesus, they also challenged him, telling him, come down from the cross, come down from the cross, vehemently urging Jesus to come down and not fulfill his father's mission. And then, then they would believe him they said. Oh, it was a devilish challenge that Jesus would, at the last moment, abandon his mission from God, his Father, that he would try to save his human nature. Yes, imagine that. Both thieves cursed and swore and vehemently urged, Jesus, to save himself if he was God, and to save them. Yes, it was nine o'clock when the temple morning sacrifice took place. And from the temple nearby, they heard the long blast of the ram's horn, signaling that the morning sacrifice was beginning It happened just as Jesus was nailed on the cross. Yes, as the sacrificial lamb's blood was spilled on the altar in the temple. At that time, Jesus' blood was spilled upon the cross, just outside of the city. Yes, here on the cross was the real sacrifice, the only sacrifice that was pleasing to God the only sacrifice that 1,350 years of animal sacrifices pointed directly to. Yes, here was the once and forever sacrifice done by Jesus, who would shed his blood for all of his children's sins and would pay for them and their sins objectively past present and future. We know the seven words from the cross and the strange events that unfolded that day. Yes, that then even the heathen Roman centurion to cry out in wonder and amazement, truly this was the Son of God. Now at 12 o'clock, a great darkness fell upon the whole earth as the sun hid his face from the horror of watching his creator die. And the stars came out to view this incredible scene below. Their creator was dying. But now there is a sudden change comes within the thief On Jesus' right hand, suddenly his mocking voice suddenly grows silent. The Holy Spirit had begun his work in him, and he worked grace within this thief's heart. In that instant he saw Jesus with renewed eyes. He was born again, born again eyes, awakened soul's eyes. And he looked and saw in an entirely different light. Yes, his fellow criminal hanging on Jesus' left hand continued to rant loud curses and profanities at Jesus. But listen... Listen, suddenly a loud, scolding voice sounds above the crowd. The right-hand thief is loudly rebuking his partner in crime. Oh, listen to what this thief says to the other thief. He said, we deserve to die for our crimes. We have sinned greatly. We have broken every law in the world. Broken every law in the world in our wicked career of sin, terrorizing and murdering innocent people. We deserve this punishment on the cross and much more. For we deserve to die for all of our foul deeds. But, listen to what he says. But this man, Jesus, hanging in the midst of us, has done nothing wrong. This man is innocent. Our companion, our leader, Barabbas, was supposed to be on that middle cross to suffer and to die, just like we are. But this man is innocent. He is the son of God. Yes, God always works grace instantly. And now the right-hand thief saw not only his great sins, his overwhelming sins, his total guilt. But he suddenly sees the great injustice that had the greatest injustice that had ever been done, ever taking place on all the earth. Jesus, the Son of God, though innocent, hung, nailed to the cross where Barabbas, his gang leader, was supposed to hang. Yes, all three of his gang deserved to die. But instead, an innocent man would die. Barabbas would go free. Oh, what an injustice. Now the thief's eyes are suddenly open to this reality. The Son of God hung next to him, nailed on the middle cross. And Jesus was innocent. Oh, listen to this thief's pleading voice. He knew by grace that Jesus would die and return and re-inhabit heaven. He knew that by faith. But this thief had but one plea that overwhelms his grieving soul because of his sins. That this injustice might be rectified. Now he pleads with Jesus. Lord, remember me. Remember me. When thou art come in heaven, remember me. No, this thief does not dare to ask to be saved. He knows and feels his sins are far, far too many. To be saved, it would be impossible that he could enter heaven. Impossible that Jesus would and could save him. It seemed impossible for him to even comprehend. Who would dare to even ask for forgiveness? Dare to ask for that? But rather... This convicted thief begs for one thought, just one thought from Jesus for that one moment that Jesus remembered him in heaven while he was in the endless eternity of hell. One thought of Jesus would lessen his richly deserved hell. By one moment, By receiving even one thought of Jesus, oh, that was his reasoning. How sorrow and remorse filled his soul and permeated his entire being. He had only this plea, Lord, remember me when thou art come into thy kingdom. But, but now he hears something utterly amazing, more incredible than anything he had ever heard before or ever expected to hear. For from Jesus's mouth comes the words to this hell worthy thief. Today, today thou shalt be with me. In paradise? Today the thief would be in heaven, in paradise with Jesus. Oh, that right hand thief could not believe his ears. What an impossibility, what a miracle that he, this guilty thief, could be saved after all, despite all of his sins. Because of the blood sacrifice on the middle cross. (coughs) Now Jesus only records him, the thief saying, remember me, but once. But the meaning of the text is greater that this thief, once he heard Jesus' forgiveness, could not be quiet. But over and over until he finally died, as long as he could speak, he speaks as loudly as his dying body could permit. Lord, remember me when thou cometh into thy kingdom. Oh, we testify to all the false Christian leaders, all the Pharisees below. This was the Son of God. Oh, for a moment then, on the cross, Jesus could rejoice. Here was the first fruits of his sacrifice. Here was another miracle, a saving miracle for the second thief. Yes, a miracle far greater than Barabbas' escape was a miracle for this thief would be forgiven all of his sins and would enter into heaven so unexpectedly, so undeservingly, washed clean in the blood of the cross, spotless and without wrinkle, without sin. Oh, what a miracle of free and sovereign grace took place at Jesus' right hand in that thief, who was saved in the last hours of his life. Now, on our third point, the thief hanging on the cross to the left of Jesus. Now, obviously, this point can be quite short, for the thief on Jesus' left hand died, still cursing the Lord Jesus Christ, and he entered hell cursing. That's the beginning, the middle, and the end of the matter for the thief on the left hand of Jesus. For unforgiven sin cannot enter heaven. Unforgiven sin never will and never can. It is impossible. Unforgiven sin it can only go to hell. Now, let's look at the many privileges that this left-hand thief had had in life. He was a Jew. He was one of the sons of Abraham. He had been reared by his parents who were Jews, who as faithfully Jews had circumcised him on the eighth day of his life. Obviously, he was reared under God's word, taught daily, According to the Ten Commandments, he observed all the Jewish feast days of Israel. More than likely, he visited the temple yearly. He must have, like all the Jews, watched the morning and the evening animal sacrifices which were performed by the priests, which all pointed to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. Yes, as a Jew, every Jew knew that the Messiah was promised to come in the fullness of time. This was the time many of the Jews knew that all the 300 plus promises of Jesus coming written in the Old Testament pointed to this very time, this very time for the coming of the Messiah. Who was Jesus Christ? Yet, despite all this overwhelming daily evidence that this thief received while growing up, he missed all the signals. He had never been taught the real meaning of God's word. He had never learned what God was teaching all the Jews, the Christian Church of Judaism. Yes, this thief even had, in a way, an incredible privilege on the one hand to hang, to be nailed on the cross beside Jesus. He had seen what happened to the thief on the right hand. He was forgiven. But here on, on in Jesus was salvation personified. And for him to hang so close to the truth of truth, that he could hear him, see him, and hear the seven sayings Jesus uttered from the cross. And hear his buddy, his companion, confess, Here is the Son of God, Lord, remember me. But he was hardened to it. All the words of Jesus sailed right over his head. For his heart was hard. He was born dead in sins and trespasses just like you and me. And because he lacked the operation of the Holy Spirit in his soul, unfortunately, he never learned, could learn this reality of his sins, could repent. And beseech the Lord for forgiveness like his companion hand, that not only he was polluted with original and actual sins in thoughts, words, and deeds, but the left-hand thief never learned that he had to be born again in order to be saved. He never learned that he needed the blood covering of Jesus Christ being so freely shed on the middle cross for sinners. Yes, even for those who were worse than he was. The left-hand thief had the same opportunities, the same opportunity to repent of his sins and to believe in Jesus' promised Messiah as the right-hand thief had, they were both just as guilty, but it also applied for every other Jew, every other Christian church Jew who heard the words of God. (sighs) Yes, and even worse, for all of these blessings that every Jew had, living in The Jewish Christian Church, in the light of God's word, was rejected by him, as year after year, this thief steadily descended further and further into the pit of sin, and sadly, sin blinds, and as he sinned deeper, God spent and spread more darkness. In his life, more blindness to blind him to his own blindness. And he perished on the cross within a few feet of Jesus. God had said to him and to all the other disbelieving Jews in the Christian Church of Israel. God had said of such I will send them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie. They will let Barabbas go, and they will kill the Son of God. Oh, now in our sermon, our Passion Sermon this morning, we have seen these three thieves, and how God's sovereign grace made such an incredible difference in their individual lives, in their individual destinations, on that fateful day of Good Friday coming this week. And our prayer then for you and for me, for this passion season, yes, for everyone, for you, that you might receive the blessing of the open eyes of the first thief on God's right hand. And that God might not leave you blind to your blindness, dead to your deadness, which all of us have by nature. But in this passion week, you may be awakened to reality, granted the new birth. Oh, on this coming Good Friday, we see the wrath of God was laid upon his own son that his children may go free because of his blood shed on that middle cross wonder of wonders it is possible for you and for me hasten for your soul's sake the time is short the crises are real the world is spinning out of control Learn the lesson of the thief on Jesus' right hand, for by his stripes we can be healed. Amen.